introduction you just heard was poet storyteller Philippa Kapali Kagwa. She performed that as an introduction to the Women's Own Stories, which are a series of podcasts exploring the stories of women around South Africa. Hello, goeiemorgen, morgen. I am Teresa Smith, your host for the next hour. Women's Own is an NGO based here at Artscape in the Women's Own Library next to the box office on the ground floor. It was started 10 years ago with the aim of promoting and uniting women of Cape Town through sharing stories. Now, we do this in a variety of ways, and long-time members will be happy to know that we have restarted the monthly Women's Own Book Club meetings every second Saturday of the month. This is where we share what we are reading, and we invite a local author to come and share what she has just written. Then there are the story cafes, walks, book launches, visits to other community groups around the peninsula, and even poetry sessions. In fact, Philippa, whom you had introduced the show at the top of the hour, introduced the launch of our new publication, Book Collaboration with Soil of Life, which turns 20 this year. And we will be talking more about the book, Women of Soil, Changing Lives, later on in the show. The usual Women's Day festivities here at Artscape have been on all for the past two years. So it's quite exciting to see life come back to the theatre complex. For the past few years, uh, we as Women's Own have broadcast for about an hour in the middle of the actual day, 9 August, But this year, we broadcast the day before, today being 8 August, in the hope of enticing you to come and take part in the Circle of Healing tomorrow. To tell us more about what will be happening at Artscape Theatre Complex tomorrow and for the rest of the month, we've invited Artscape CEO Marlene LaRue to explain the festivities. Hello Marlene, great to have a chance to speak to you at what is a very busy time of the year for you. So let's talk about what's happening at Artscape this year. The theme for 2022 is Space of Healing. Can you tell us about that, please? Yes, it's so important because it's our Women's Month, but we don't just look at Women's Month in August. We're using the month to do introspection, retrospection, what is happening in our country, and especially the scourge of gender-based violence in particular. So our focus is throughout the centuries of African history, women have played an integral role in society and shape the culture of their communities. So we're asking ourselves, what is happening in our communities now? And for this year, we've decided that we our productions that we're going to look at is about care. It is about telling the truth in particular of where we're going to as a country, mm-hmm. what is happening with us as a country through the arts. We use the arts as a vehicle to look at women's empowerment, We're looking at women with disabilities, also broader of how we can emancipate women, but also most of all is to look at, in particular, equally, we celebrate the great strides we have made as a gender and indeed together as a country, including paying tribute to those who have led the way to secure our emancipation. This year, as we return to normality after covid after two grueling years of restrictions, I would like to or everybody 
to come and be part and not sitting on the fence. We need everybody to change our society, to be a humane society. And that is why the 9th of August is important, the Circle of Care, an event for women and men and young people that we stand together in a circle of solidarity to have a moment of silence for all victims of the pandemic and GBV. And we need to look at using this particular time, a reflective time, but also action, also to tell our leaders that we can't just look at commissions. We need to look at the changes of society. This year, instead of the Humanities Walk, you've chosen to present a circle of care. Could you explain what that circle of care is? The circle of care is that we need to look at the moments of silence for all victims of the pandemic and also gender-based violence that happened. So terrible in our There will always be planting to faith blessing, God breathing facilitated by Pramila Vassan, poetry and choirs that's going to be on the piazza starting from 12 o'clock and we're going to have a sing-along so that we with Vicky Sampson is going to lead this particular session and the tree planting is about the nurturing of ourselves and to take care of ourselves but also take care of people and other that we look at the human race and respect because this is what we want to do through the arts to reignite again how we need to react about human beings, how we need to rekindle kindness and humaneness. Okay, speaking about using the arts to rekindle um, humaneness, now that COVID restrictions are lifted, does that mean we can fill up the theatres again? No, the theatres are going to be full. We lifted the restrictions and we ask people, everybody miss the arts. Everybody say, but a nation with the arts, without the artists, without the soul. Now we're giving you the arts. And how you can support the arts is to support artists. I want to highlight some of the productions which mm-hmm. really going to be of essence for us is that we're going to have AbFab on the 9th of August. And AbFab is also to honor the LGBTIQ plus community. That's part of our annual commemoration, but also to say that everybody matters. On the 8th of August, we're going to have plays around the secret agent, which is about, you know, Ronnie Castle's White House, mm-hmm. women yep. that's been married to stalwarts, but they were actually the persons that carried that stalwart. So we're telling the untold stories. And then we also have Karen Korki that's going to be in a cabaret show that's written by Kyra Lopesha. So it's very important aspects that we ask people to come and be part of our particular program for this year. You can go on our website, www.artscape.co.za. We believe that gender equality is the future global future of our country. Okay. Now, speaking of what's happening at Artscape, there's a beautiful exhibition of costumes in the chandelier foyer. How long is that still going to stay up? The costume is going to be for the entire year still because it's period costumes. We showcase because we were last year 50 and not everybody could come to the theatre. So we're saying come to the theatre, come and see the different costumes that's made during the period, the 50 years. And we take you back in time and you can give us advice how we can take our 
better highs. So the Oscap Humanity Festival, it is about equality, but equality with equity. There was also an exhibition earlier this year in um, by the theatre side, which was... Uh, the Faces of Rural Persons, and that particular program will still be up, and okay. it is about where we have visited for the mm-hmm. past 12 years every little rural yeah. place in the Western Cape. And what we have taken uh, with is a visual art name of Manfred Villa. He travelled with us and the community with the municipality would select the people that made an impact in the communities, soup kitchen people, a teacher that changed the communities, that cared for young people, that made a difference. And their portraits are hanging in yeah, art. Okay, so that's because what we want to say to, to the people, the listeners, come and see the portraits of people in the outline areas. They do matter yeah. for us as a community. It is quite an interesting one. But thank you, Marlene. That's what we've got time for right now. It's always a pleasure to hear from you and what's going on at Artscape. But thank let's you, take Teresa. A, let's take a quick song break and then we light up the next guest. See all the years turn into each other It will not stay, not stay as it is It will change, yes, all of it One day you'll know and understand Mm. One day you'll have no use for these hands Hold me, brother just heard Soul People by blues rock band Machinery featuring Sunny Fox as lead singer. That song was released back in 2011 and last I heard she was in London but that was in 2020 so who knows where she is now. 
I am Teresa Smith, and this is the Women's Own Hour. Our next guest is social justice activist, speaker, writer, Notukela Makuliso. We're taking time away from the Broken Crayons Still Color Beautifully Symposium, which is on today at Artscape Theatre. She's taking time out to come and talk to us. So hello, Notukela. Welcome to the Women's Own Hour. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. Now, if I understand correctly, uh, you suffered a quite bad car accident at the age of 32, and during that long physical rehabilitation process afterwards, you found you had to completely reinvent your career path. Uh, can you tell us what happened? Yes. I left my house on the 24th of December, going to my business in town. So I drove out of my driveway, and I was driven back in a wheelchair four months later. A drunk driver drove into me from the back of my car and that left me unconscious further into 2018. I'm currently living my life as a hemiplegic, which means that my right side is weak. So I utilize a wheelchair to mobilize. Okay. And my speech was also affected. So if you, I was a lecturer in my previous life, and now I struggle to do that because of my speech. But I didn't start my foundation or restructure my career pathway because of that. I did that because I went from being headhunted for jobs to applying for jobs as a differently able person to getting absolutely no responses. So I could not get a job and therefore I decided to use what God has given me to keep back and establish my foundation. Can you tell us more about the Notokela Foundation Institute? Yes. I I always teach my kids that they must do for others what they would like to be done for them. The foundation is really all about that. It's everything I wish I could have had when I came out of uh, the hospital and from rehab. Okay. We tell people stories it's a storytelling platform because when I came out of rehab in the I could not think of a single person was living their lives and thriving mm-hmm. while on the wheelchair. Okay. So there were no stories being told of people who had been through different traumas in their lives and they are still living and making the best of life. Secondly, what we do is we provide our trauma counseling. Mm-hmm. We do online training. <laughs> the educator in me never died. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have an upcoming event, the symposium that we are currently having. It's called the Broken Clients. Still color beautifully. And it's just to celebrate women who are differently able. 
So now, this symposium is on today, 8 August, at Artscape, and it yes. is a workshop for very specifically invited people. But what is it that is happening at the workshop today? Today, we are hosting exhibitors. We are also hosting queens who are also differently able, but who have traversed and who are leading boldly in pursuing their lives despite all the difficulties that life has thrown at them. So it's a space where we are engaging issues that affect us, like access. Universal access is important for Mm -hmm. people who are differently able. And we are building each other up. And then tomorrow we are having an award evening. Okay. Where we are going to be awarding strong disability advocates that have gone before us. Okay. So now, this one was a closed event. You knew who you needed there, but would you do this kind of symposium again somewhere else in a different space, different time? Absolutely. In fact, this year, we are partnered with Artscape as part of the Humanity Arts Festival. We are hoping that it's going to be an annual thing Mm -hmm. as the festival is. Okay. But over and above that, we want to take this nationally. We need to celebrate differently able women across the country. Um, And over and above that, if anyone would like to get hold of us and see what other programs that the foundation is running, they can go to our Facebook page, the NFI, or they can visit our website, which is www.thenfi.org. That would be the NFI.org. Okay. Now, thank you so much for joining us. That is all we have time for today. But we look forward to hosting you at the Women's Own Library at some point because it would be interesting to do this a little mini symposium with our people on this as well. Next, we love that. Yeah. Next, we're going to take a short break before returning to talk about an exciting new Women's Own project we've been working on.
That happy little song was Dee Dee Bridgewater singing an eponymous number from the album Red Earth. She created that 2007 studio album specifically to explore her Malian and African ancestry, so merging her U.S. jazz roots and the Mali griot tradition. She actually played the Cape Town Jazz Festival into, what was it, 2015? And I can't believe I actually missed that, so you know, better luck next time. Next, we talk to Cindy Busk, uh, CEO for Soil for Life, which celebrates its 20th birthday this year. So Soil for Life is a public benefit organization which teaches people how to grow their own food. And in so doing, people then learn how to improve their own health and well-being and how to nurture and protect the environment. Hello, Cindy. Welcome to the Women's Zone Hour. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So by way of introduction, uh, can you tell us a little about the aim of Soil for Life? What do, is it that the organization actually does? Well, at the center of everything that we do is teaching people how to grow their own food. Um, but in doing that, we also teach them about basic health and nutrition, um, you know, just living healthier lives, being aware of the environment, recycling, yeah, and just using using gardening as a place for, you know, come together, bring communities together, families together, and grow food, food that's safe, nutritious, hasn't been sprayed with pesticides, you know, chemicals in the soil. Yeah, so that is essentially what Soil for Life does. And you specifically, as the CEO, what is it that you do for Soil for Life? Oh, what don't I do? <laughs> Is <laughs> the question. Yeah, Soil for Life, I think, is one of those organizations where everybody does everything. So, you know, apart from doing the fundraising and managing the staff and, you know, getting involved in strategic planning with the board, if I'm needed to work in the shop, I'll work in the shop. If I need to help in the nursery, I'll help in the nursery. So, yeah, it's a very varied kind of job. Well, it's not a job, really. It's a a way of life. It's an absolute way of life, yeah. So this Uh, year, we, Women's Own, have collaborated with you, Soil for Life, a book, and it's called Women of Soil, Changing Lives. So this celebrates 10 women that we found across Cape Town who are learning about growing their own gardens. So do you yourself have a garden? I most certainly do. (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely do, and... Yeah, and so does my my husband's also an avid gardener. He's turned our entire backyard into a vegetable patch. Cool. Yeah, I tend to stick to planter boxes that we have in the courtyard, which is literally outside our back door. Yeah, which makes it then very easy when you're cooking just to pop out the back door and pick what you need, which is really what we teach our gardeners as well is to grow food right outside their back door. So in addition to location is very important, what tips would you have for any prospective gardeners who want to get their hands dirty? Well, I think when I started, I didn't want to get my hands dirty, but then I soon realized, apart from the incredible benefits of being out in the fresh air and working in the soil, the soil actually washes off your hands when you, know, when you finish gardening, so don't mm-hmm. be afraid to get your hands dirty. It's probably the most rewarding hobby that you could ever have in the world. Okay. It's hard work, but the rewards are so worth it. So in addition to telling these women's stories, 
Mm. Soilful Life founder, Pat Featherston, is also quite celebrated in the book. So what can you tell me about Pat and her vision of healthy soil means healthy food means healthy people? Well, Pat Keepers, what can I say about Pat? Pat is an absolute legend. He started Soilful Life back in 2000 and then formally registered it in 2002. She completely believed in every single thing that she said about the only way to grow healthy food and healthy people is by having healthy soil. Because today, soils are so depleted that even though you you get food from the soil, there's absolutely no nutritional value in what you're growing because the soil is so unhealthy. So it all starts with building soil and making your soil healthy so that your plants will be healthy. And Pat's vision really is that every single person in the country, in the world in fact, grows some of their own food and build their soil at home. Okay. So that was her vision. And so it lives on very much so in the work, in the work that, that you're doing. doing. Yeah. Mm. So Soil for Life turns 20 this year, so do you have a count of how many people the organization has actually reached this far? We worked with about 7,000, well just over 7,600 gardeners since we started which is a lot of gardeners, and we we base indirect beneficiaries, the families and neighbours and whatnot that have access to vegetables. We base it on, for each gardener trained, six people, a minimum of six people okay. will benefit. Okay. So the reach is huge. Do you only work in the Western Cape? We do. I mean, most of our work is in the Western Cape, but we have had projects. In, in other provinces, mm-hmm. Limpopo, and also in Zimbabwe, actually. Okay. And then we also have, we recently, well, last year, developed a online training video, which ah. is a free resource to anybody who wants to be trained in, in food gardening. And it takes you through 13 steps of food gardening. Okay, so if people yeah. want to find out about that, what's your website? www.soilforlife.co.za Okay, thank you so much. The training course is on the website Mm -hmm. and it's free to anybody that wants to grow food. Okay. Well, that's all we have time for today. So thank you, Cindy, for opening up the world of home food and gardening to us. And uh, Soil for Life is here at Artscape Theatre today. And you can get the book through Soil for Life and Women's Own. So check out the websites. Next, we take a little musical interlude to set up the next guest. You remember me, my baby. Said I was your closest friend. Come on and smile for me, my baby. I need to feel you close to me. The times are tough, they sometimes take me. But you're almost all I need in a postmodern. Janet.
much information in each observation. Globalization, self-proof, prejudice, rubble removal, who the guys that started Google, I forget their names. Everything is possible and almost nothing certain. takes me back. The last time I heard Karenzoid perform that song was in 2017 at the National Arts Festival in Grahamstown when she had just released the album with the same name, Postmodern World. So coming back to the present though, we are going to talk to Nina Geraty, who is a copyright specialist who works with the Life Writing Collective. The theme for this year's festivities at Artscape for Women's Day is Space of Healing, which makes the Life Writing Collective a great organization to talk about. Considering how much of an emphasis women's own places on books and authors and stories, you are probably assuming when I say life writing collection, I am saying W-R-I-T-I-N-G. Actually, what I'm saying is life R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G collective. Hello, Nina. Thank you for joining us on the Women's Own Hour. Hi, Teresa. It's great to be here. Could you please explain what the aim of the Life Writing Collective is and what it does? Sure. Life Writing Collective, and we call it the LRC for short, is a not-for-profit membership organization, which was founded by Dawn Garish, who's published a number of novels, poetry, as well as two memoirs, and she's been facilitating memoir writing for 15 years. So the LRC offers writing courses for anyone who wants to discover personal meaning or self-understanding or self-recovery in writing about their life experiences. And then the income from these courses, as well as donations, they serve our key mandate, which is to make the life writing courses available to marginalized groups and individuals. Those people who need uh, sponsorship, such as women's issue groups, addressing gender violence, rape, empowerment, etc., and also at-risk youth and disability groups and their carers and diverse religious, cultural groups, that sort of thing. So one of the things that I noticed on your website is talking about this idea that writing can be a healing concept. Could you explain that to me, please? Yeah, sure. I mean, our strapline is the healing power of writing. So one of the foundational understandings behind the Life Writing Collective is that 
writing about your life, it really offers like tremendous benefits to emotional well-being, mental health, and healing because it's a creative tool. And as a creative tool, it promotes improved mental health because it allows one to reflect on life events, write them down, you know, start to have a more curious approach to what happened, start to see it from a different perspective, or you kind of awaken to a bigger picture. Okay. And then the other thing that happens as you write is that things come to the surface that you've forgotten or you're reminded about something. I don't know if you know Marion Woodman. She's a Canadian poet, a writer, and a Jungian psychologist. I'm familiar with the name. And she's got this wonderful quote that says, unconsciousness needs the eye of consciousness, and consciousness needs the energy of the unconscious. The writing allows for that interchange to take place. Okay. And we put it another way. We say that... Writing helps you uncover what you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> okay. But you know, Teresa, the other part of, of this uh, writing is also the listening part. Mm-hmm. So part of the courses are that you can listen to each other's stories. You know, if you want to, you can, can read your pieces, you're invited to read your pieces in the group. And that's so helpful because when people write about something, you know, you can either say to yourself, wow. I've never heard about that, or that is so different from my own experience. Mm-hmm. And then have a different understanding and appreciate the difference. Or conversely, you can say, wow, that's exactly how I feel, and I can really relate to that. Okay. And then you, don't, you feel less alone in your experience. So now I know you do short courses and long courses, yes. so what's the difference between the two? Well, it's simply that. You know, that the short courses can be a matter of hours on a Saturday afternoon. They're more like a workshop-y thing. Mm -hmm. And then the longer courses can range from anything from three days, sometimes even five days if it's a retreat, something like that. Okay. So you don't always meet on the same place. So where does the LRC meet? So where we actually meet, um, (laughs) it's in a variety of places. So, you know, we could be meeting... It's anywhere from Musenberg to Plumstead to Gauteng to recently Dawn did a course in Hamburg in the Eastern Cape. Okay. So it's really just wherever there's a need. And also we do online courses mm-hmm. so using Zoom. Okay. So how can people find out more about the LRC and the courses that you offer? If you look on our website, the best place to go is our website at www.lifewriting.com. And that's life writing, as you said earlier, with an R. Okay. That is what we've got time for. So thank you so much for joining us, Nina. Look forward to the next time that you guys you do a workshop at the actual Women's Own Library. Yes. So the, the, yeah, the LRC sometimes uses the Women's Own Library to offer short courses. And Point in Case um, was a recent workshop offered at the library earlier this year for differently abled or disabled people writing about their own experiences. So the LRC will extend this course and offer another aspect in November. And you can check the LRC website and the Women's Own website, which is womenszonect.com for more information. And some of the stories from the first part of the workshop will be up on the Artscape website, which is artscape.co.za. Next, a brief interlude before we speak to our last guests for the day. Author Beryl Botman. Thank you. 
Sodage, which is a Cape Verdean song popularized in the early 1990s by the late Cabo Verde singer Cesario Vora. So, Sodage, it's one of those words that you can't really translate into English. It's a Portuguese word meaning the feeling of missing someone or something. And the song was written um, in the 50s to express the sadness of those left behind on Cape Verde when their loved ones had migrated overseas. So, our final guest for today is Dr. Beryl Botman retired alumna of the Stellenbosch University's Education Department and now a published author. She has written a very personal book called Without You about the sudden loss of her husband, a late former rector of Stellenbosch University, Professor Russell Botman. Hello, Beryl. Welcome to the show. Good day. Thank you very much. So now your book launched on 1 August at Artscape, and that kicked off the Women's Month festivities. So you actually at the beginning of your marketing phase. So how's that going? It's going quite um, hectic, seeing that it's my debut, and I have a very steep learning curve. But I have a couple of launches uh, lined up at Stellenbosch University, 
um, Susie's Coffee Shop in Kales River, uh, Rondebosch United Church, my spiritual home, and I'm also alumnus of the University of the Free State where I did my postdoc. Okay. And then most likely also in um, September at Nelson Mandela University uh-huh. in the Eastern Cape. Okay. So now I noticed on the cover that it says translated by Belinda Jackson. So did you write in English originally or Afrikaans? I wrote in Afrikaans, which is my first language. Mm-hmm. And the title is Seedert die Duet und Skei. Ah, okay. Yeah. So now, did Belinda do all the translation on her own, or did you work with her as well on that? She did it um, on her own, and my input was quite minimal in terms of editing and words here and there, but she did the translation on her own. Okay. So now the book deals with the sudden loss of your has- husband back in 2014. So now, how did you come to write this book? Was it, I'm going to write a book? Or did you start writing about how you're feeling and then realize, wait, hang on, I'm doing a book here? One of my dreams has been for a very long time to write a book. In fact, my late husband, Russell, and I planned to start writing and publishing together when he retires. But unfortunately, now I'm writing on my own. Um, But it happened like this. Marlene LaRue encouraged me to write about myself. And... That was not an easy decision. I shared with her the idea of um, writing or, or, or publishing an anthology of women who were influenced by Russell. And she said, no, write about yourself. So I didn't take that advice very quickly. Mm-hmm. But then my daughter, Roxanne, and her now wife, Catherine, gave me a biography of uh, Becoming by Michelle Obama as a Christmas gift in 2018. And after I read that story, I started wondering about the value of telling my story, Mm -hmm. um, what value it could have on readers. I mean, I considered that more seriously. And so I decided to attend a writer's course in 2019, and that's where I started planning. That took me about a month or two of planning, but the course was one week. And initially, I said I set out to write about the first five years after Russell's passing, because I thought I must take at least a number of years to fill a book. Anyway, so the rest. So um, when I got to reached 83,000 words, I was only at the end of the first year. Then I knew this has to be a book on its own. So the rest were left to follow. So this book, um, Without You, that you do it on Sky is about the first year. Okay. So writing is often described as a cathartic experience and your topic is about dealing with loss. So so was it the cathartic experience to do this? Definitely so. <laughs> Having done this reflection of the five years since Russell died in June 25th, 2014, uh, this gave me some advantage of having moved out of the intense mourning period and and I gained some uh, perspective. I had many sources to draw on, like um, newspaper articles and cards and all kinds of things, but what amazed me was the detail with which I remembered when I started writing. Um, it made me realize how that traumatic experience, that one Saturday morning, when he passed, when I realized that he passed, was so deeply part of my life, mm-hmm. my psyche, my being, 
that the release that the writing brought was indeed cathartic. Although I believe that I was open and I could talk freely to a number of friends and family uh, and my therapist about my grief and trauma, there were many unspoken aspects that came up in my writing process. So now, the, on the dust jacket, talk about the idea that you were supported by some family members and not others. But what's the overall family response been like to the book? My family supported and continues to support me even up to today. And so they are involved in my, in my launches. My daughters, Ilse and Roxanne, were in daily contact with me throughout the process and a great source of encouragement and inspiration. My, they and my extended family kept me going when I had very little will to do so on my own. Also, I had very, very good friends whom I could count on ex- extraordinarily. Three in particular, Marlene Leroux, Jenny Bridgman and Charlene Nissen. Okay, so that really helped. Yes, okay. that really helped. Yeah. And However, I've lost in the process, I've lost my stepchildren, my grandchildren, as well as the Russell family in the process. Okay, that must have been hard. Uh, yes, yes, that okay. is, was hard. And as with many other widows, as I've come to learn, some of our friends just quietly stepped out of my life. Okay, that would have been tough. Yes. Sorry to cut you off, but that's what we've got time for today. We probably will be doing a podcast with you as well, I think, on the book. Yeah. So our listeners should be checking out our website because it's going to go on there. That brings us to the end of this Women's Zone Hour. Just enough time left for me to tell you about some of the things Women's Zone will be doing for the rest of August. I mentioned Book Club at the beginning of the hour. Next Saturday, 13 August, we host author Gertrude Fester, who will talk about her latest book, Prisoner Notebook V2957-88. That is her story about being a political detainee who underwent 104 days of solitary confinement before being brought to trial along with 13 other detainees in 1989 in what has become known as the Yengeni trial. We are also starting to upload podcast interviews with various authors. It's a little something we started at the height of COVID lockdowns as a way for authors to keep on telling us about their books and for various women around Cape Town to share their stories. So check out womanszonect.com for podcasts and more information. Now, if you do happen to visit Artscape during August, please keep an eye out for Wire Woman. That's our two-meter wire statue, who's in the foyer at the moment. And she is dressed in new growth, which befits the celebration of our new book collaboration with Soil for Life. So now that book, Women in Soil, Changing Lives, is available at Artscape during the festival through Women's Zone. And you can email us if you want a copy and we'll make a plan. It's info at womanszonect.co.za. Thank you, Mark Jennings, our former FMR station manager, for letting us take over this lunchtime hour slot. You've always been great about supporting Women's Zone, and I'm hoping that Ian DeFoss, the new station manager, is going to be keeping on that tradition. And thank you, Mwandi, sound engineer extraordinaire, for keeping the sound going. I love your work. Thanks also to uh, Beryl Eichenberger and Nancy Richards who started Women's Zone and for keeping the lights on. A uh, reminder again that you can find information about what Women's Zone does on Facebook and on our website, womenszoneCT.com. I am Teresa Smith, 
hoping all my sisters and mothers and aunties and nieces and daughters have a wonderful day tomorrow on Women's Day. Until next time. We play out with the song Walk Tall from Mark Franzman, which features the wonderful Melanie Scotts.
It's my lesson, don't you see? Yes, don't you it's see? my low. 